0: Girls, children of all ages, you are about to enter a world of darkness, a world where life and death are meaningless and pain is God. Woo! What? Oh, just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Hello, and welcome to Horror Nights in Podcast with me, your host, Crystal, where I talk about anything and all horror. On this podcast, I give you my honest and horrific opinion on a different horror movie every week. I drop spoilers, I never lie. I always keep it real. Sometimes I do specials, and sometimes I have co-hosts. To keep up with all things horror and the Horror Nights In podcast, please join my Twitter family at Horror R Us. We have a ton of fun over there, and I love interacting and chatting with you guys, so please join in. And yes, the official Blumhouse Twitter account did come for me already for my Twitter name. Also be sure to follow my podcast on whatever app you use. I'm available for your listening pleasures on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. So before we get into the podcast, if you've listened to me before, you know I kind of do a little, hey, how are you, kind of thing before we get into the actual podcast. We talk about upcoming horror movies. I give a shout out to any podcasts I've been listening to and kind of just, you know, shoot the shit. So first, I want to talk about the weather. So if you guys listen to my other podcast, uh, you know I live in um, the Philadelphia area of the world and um, we, I don't think... I don't think Pennsylvania is in that polar vortex thing that's going on but it has been so freaking cold the last three days like ever since um Wednesday it's just been freezing and at night I went like I would go check my phone and it would just say zero degrees and I was just like huh all right cool interesting literally cool um So I live, my apartment building is actually uh, pretty old. I live in a historical district area of the city I live in and they, you know, want to maintain the ethnicity of the, of the building, Authentic (laughs) ethnicity. Um, they want to preserve the buildings. Come on, Crystal. You have a bachelor's degree in English. (laughs) Anyway, so, um, with the building being very old, the pipes are obviously very old as well. So at night, so the pipes don't freeze. We kind of have to leave the water trickling, which... Definitely uh, freaks me out in the middle of the night when I'm running to the bathroom at two o'clock in the morning because it sounds like something is like either coming from my kitchen or like walking in the hallway because the way that my apartment is set up, my kitchen's in the front of my front of my apartment. So... Um, That'll freak me out. And sometimes like my cat will wake me up and I'll go feed her and it'll be like six AM. So it'll be super groggy and I'll be like, What is that noise? It's literally just the water trickling in the in the kitchen sink so the pipes don't freeze. Um so yeah, that's been fun. Also, uh, the city I live in, it's street parking. I think I talked about this on my other podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, it was not a snow emergency this time, so I had to leave my car outside. So I go to jump into my car the other day to, run to, to go to work, and my poor car is just, like, covered in, like, chunks of ice and snow because of the plows, so... I fucking hate winter, guys, if you can't already tell. It's so freaking cold. Now, luckily, but not luckily, the building I work in (laughs) is also very old. So one of our um, one of the pipes there actually did burst and the my office got our offices just got completely flooded. And um, so we haven't been able to work all week like the last time I think I was in my well I mean like the last time I was in my office for like a full day of actual work was last Thursday so it's it's been nice for sure but at the same time it's like I, I really want to go back to work I can work from home I do have a job where I can work from home but I mean you guys know how it is when you work from home you kind of sleep in a little bit longer you kind of you do a bunch of other things besides doing your work. Now, mind you, I I did work. I did. I had some things I had to get done. Um, and I had some meetings. So, uh, but it's just been weird because I literally have not left my house all week and I feel like a hermit. Um, I was telling my friends, I was like, I literally only leave my house for like food and my Amazon prime packages. And that's literally it. Like I don't leave my house. (laughs) Um, but whatever. I mean, it's literally zero degrees outside. I think today it's actually a little bit warmer. I think today it's in the twenties. Um, but it's a low of six, I think later tonight. So yeah, I know a lot of people who feel my pain. I know a lot of people up in, um, I forget where, where they're getting the most, like the Michigan area. Um, it's like negative 35 degrees or something. It's, it's, it's insane. It's crazy. Um, so anyway, moving on. (laughs) Oh, well, next week it's actually supposed to be like in the high 50s. So I'm really excited for that. So it can melt all the snow. Um, so anyway, moving on, I want to give a shout out to a podcast that I've been listening to this week. Uh, they're called the horrible people's podcast. You can find them on iTunes. I listened to their, um, their episode of as above, so below, and it was really good. Um, I really like their approach, um, to found footage, Which kind of segues into the month of February for the Horror Nights in podcast because it is found footage February. So that means all month uh, I will be covering some of my favorite found footage films. Um, So in this episode might be a little bit longer because we're kind of going to dive into what found footage is and that kind of thing. I do have a theme for every month for the rest of the year. So, yeah, <laughs> I have a lot of work ahead of me, but that's okay. Um, so, I, I want, kind of wanted to structure it that way, like each month uh, has a different theme. So um if you don't follow me on Twitter, which is where I advertise obviously heavily for the podcast, please do that at HorrorDaddysRS. Um so yeah, anyway, definitely check out the Horrible People's podcast, like I said you can find them on iTunes um and I really like the way they do their show over there. So shout out to you guys, keep up the good work. So we have some upcoming horror movies. Um, so I actually saw a preview for this on YouTube because I watch YouTube all the time. I love me some YouTube. Um, so this preview uh, is for a movie called Greta. It's, uh, supposed to be, or it's set to release date is March 1st. So literally a, a month, uh, from now. Um, it's about a young woman who befriends a lonely widow who's harboring a dark and deadly agenda towards her. Um, I really like the trailer. Uh, I'm intrigued by the seemingly all woman cast. Uh, so it seems that Greta has lost her husband and her daughter, um, and in a way wants to adopt the main character, Frances, who is played by Chloe Grace Moretz. Um, this is actually a movie I definitely want to see in theaters. It looks. Really interesting. Sorry, I'm going to reach for my phone. So the actress who's in this movie, um, and I meant to do this before I jumped on the podcast, but hey, it happens, right? So she was actually in um, several movies, and that I have enjoyed. (laughs) Um, She was in. She was actually in *Suspiria*, and she was in um, *If I Stay*. Um, that's the movie I know her most from, but that's just because I read the book when I was younger and I really wanted to see the movie. Um, she was in Kick-Ass and Kick-Ass 2. Um, oh, and she was also in the Animeville Horror. So I have, I love this actress. I think she's cool. I think she's cute. Um, she was also in the Fifth Wave too. So I don't know exactly how you guys might know who she is, but I'm super excited to see that movie. Um, it looks... It looks really creepy. And the way that they edited it to make certain spots of the trailer kind of speed up a little bit. Um, if you've seen the trailer, you know what I mean. Like her Greta, um, who is the, the widow, um, is... She would like hunch over. I don't really know how to explain it. I don't know the correct term from it. So please don't come for me. But basically they would like speed up her movements in the trailer and they had this really creepy back music. Um, so I hope it's as good as the trailer because you guys know that sometimes when you see a trailer for a movie, it kind of amps up the movie way more. But obviously that's marketing for you. Um, and then when you actually see the movie, you're like this. Uh, the, t- I, the trailer was better than the movie. Um so I, I hope that it is as good as uh, the trailer makes it out to be. So I'm super excited about that. So now we're going to get into the movie portion of my podcast. So on this episode of Horror Nights in Podcast. With our found footage February special, we will be discussing the movie Grave Encounters. I'll be giving you my honest and horrific opinion on it. Um, We're going to give you the Rotten Tomatoes IMDb rating, a short synopsis, and then a lengthy dissection and discussion of the plot characters, and ending with my overall and horrific opinion. So definitely stick around until the end. Um so before we get into the movie I wanted to take a second and talk about found footage as a subgenre of horror. It also happens to be my favorite. And I think a ma- a big part of the reason why it's my favorite is because it makes it f- makes it like the most real and authentic and it's super fucking scary. So, according to the internet, found footage is a film subgenre in which all or substantial part of the work is presented as if it were discovered film or video recordings. The events on screen are typically seen through the camera of one or more of the characters involved, often accompanied by their real-time off-camera commentary. So, found footage to me has a way of really just messing with your mind um we have like prolonged camera shots the sudden in-your-face moments and of course the entire realism and reality and the rawness of it it literally looks like something you could find and record on your phone it's like being in the center of the film without actually being the one getting chased or murdered or tortured um so we experience the scares in a more uh in a more essential way. So we feel like our instincts are kind of taking over more because we feel as if we are right in the center of the movie. Um, so I think that's obviously why I prefer this, this uh, genre, this sub-genre of horror is because it really makes me feel like I am right there with them. Um, I would say the only negative thing I find with these movies is um, if they're if they're not done correctly is and sometimes if they're done correctly too is is kind of the motion of the camera because i am very sensitive to motion sickness um so i'm just a little baby when it comes to that i had a lot of inner ear problems when i was younger so i get dizzy really really fast um so that's probably the only negative thing that i would have to say about fountain footage Um, as I said, like I said, if it's done correctly, the only thing I find negative about it is, um, sometimes I get a little bit of motion sickness. Um, there are found footage films out there that do suck, but I mean, it's like pizza. Even if it does suck, it's still kind of (laughs) good. Um. So let's get into Grave Encounters. So Rotten Tomatoes gave Grave Encounters a 64% with 49% of the audience liking it. And IMDb gave it a 6.1 out of 10. So Grave Encounters was released August 19th, 2011 with a running time of 92 minutes. It was written and directed by the Vicious Brothers, Colin and Stewart, Um, the Vicious Brothers is the writing, directing, uh, collaboration between Colin and Stewart. Their debut film, Grave Encounters, made on a shoestring budget, had its world premiere at the 2011 Tribeca Film Festival and has become a cult hit worldwide. Forbes magazine placed it on the top 10 horror movies of 2011. Um, so apparently they met online at the age of 12 on a Um, in a filmmaking forum, um, and they set out to differentiate grave encounters from other iconic found footages, such as found footage films, such as Blair Witch Project by being less subtle with the demons. So apparently they wanted the the demons to visibly run at you rather than just move objects and slam doors. So interesting. Um, so a quick synopsis is, um, for their ghost hunting reality show, a production crew locked themselves inside of abandoned of an abandoned mental institution that's supposedly haunted, and it might prove to be all too true. Uh, so, I have watched this movie about five or six times, and obviously rewatched it for the podcast. Um, I I fell in love with this movie immediately because, first of all, I love ghost adventures no matter how cheesy it sounds. It's great to put on in the background and kind of just listen while I'm doing a million other things because that's what I do all day long. I do too many things at once. Um, I love insane asylum shit. I always thought it was super interesting. And I love me some spooky ass fucked up ghosts. Um, There is a sequel to Grieve Encounters, uh, but... It's completely different. It's more of a meta film, and um, I don't want to talk your guys' ears off. And I gotta go to work later, so okay, <laughs> okay. Um, another interesting fact about the film is it was filmed over ten nights and two days. Uh, all right, let's get into the discussion. So the movie opens up with Jerry Hartfield, an executive producer for a production company that produces reality TV. He explains how a tape arrived in the mail, and it was a pilot episode of a new reality show called Grave Encounters by Lance Preston, who is our main character for the film. So he is played by Sean Rogerson. Um, He then explains the premise of the show is that it follows Lance and his team on Paranormal Investigations. Uh, we then get Lance's opening intro to his show, Barry Ghost Adventure Vibes, which I don't hate. As I said, I am a fan of Zach Braggins for a long time. Um, or I'm sorry, I wasn't a huge fan of the of Zach Braggins until I saw Demon House, which totally freaked me out and totally changed my perspective on him. Um, he's a great storyteller and regardless of whether the what happened is true or not I have to assume that it is um and even if not great entertainment value to it um so demon house totally freaked me out I really thought I was gonna be cursed with whatever demon was in that film because it's cause in the beginning if you guys remember it said like and warning this film is cursed and I was like oh shit okay all right um and you know the, the part about the cameraman like if you guys watch so sh- if you watch the movie spoiler alert um the part about one of his cameramen or the guy that's on his crew about losing his shit um and then he turns into like a devil worshipper um yeah no thanks uh so anyway back to back to Lance Preston um we are then introduced to Sasha Parker an occult specialist and Mike White their equipment tech um we are then told by the producer Jerry that episode 6 is the episode um that is basically them at the asylum. Um, and Jerry, the producer, warns that it isn't a movie. It's real and raw footage. Um, so episode six is titled The Haunted Asylum. And so we immediately see that the footage is not edited. So we have Lance and his team getting ready to start recording at the asylum. It's kind of like a behind the scenes the entire time because we just get straight footage. Um, so we have like Lance recording his intro, um, making sure that the asylum is correct in the background, like things like that. Um, we also learned the location is the Collingwood Psychiatric Hospital. Um, so I actually Googled it and there is a site for it, but it is fan made because uh, the, the hospital is obviously fictional. So we learn that the hospital is located in Maryland and housed more than 80,000 patients from the years 1895 to 1960. We then learn that Lance and his crew will be performing an eight-hour lockdown, trapping themselves inside during the peak hours of dead time. Uh, We then meet Morgan Turner. So guys, just a pre-warning, we're He's basically about to interview a bunch of people. So you'll hear me say, we then meet, we then meet, we then meet. So none of these people are super important. They're kind of just giving us the background of the hospital. Um, So, but I just wrote their names down just to, you know be nice to the people who came up with these names for the movie um so we meet morgan turner he's a local town historian and we learned the hospitals built in 1893 to house the overpopulation of mental patients but because treatment for these people was still new um the conditions were shitty in the hospital and you know they weren't taken care of the way they were supposed to Um, we then hear about Arthur Fredkin, who was the head physician and apparently known known for his experimental brain surgery and obviously the most popular, the lobotomy. Um, we also learned that six patients escaped one night and stabbed and killed the doctor. Interesting. Uh, so I did get a lot of American Horror Story Asylum vibes from this uh, movie, but of course, you know, this, was, this came out before um American horror story. Now don't come for me A AHS stands because I wasn't the biggest fan of American horror story asylum and it really bums me out because obviously as I said I love I love anything that has to do with like haunted asylums and I just I don't know I just I was just a fan. So anyway, let me not get off topic. Um <laughs> so anyway, um ooh. So now we have our crew Going out to the front of the building, and we see that someone has spray painted death awaits on the front door. Uh, we follow the crew with what who I think is the caretaker into the main entrance of the hospital. And I was right. His name is Kenny the Caretaker. He is a resident caretaker for the past eight years of the building. And obviously, guys, the building is abandoned, um, as I said. So Lance uh, interviews him, and we learn that Kenny thinks that the place is haunted. Uh, we then get a tour of some of the hallways, and we learn that obviously none of the work lights work in the building. So Kenny then tells the team about a window up on the third floor that opens by itself, and we can see that they're pretty high up because obviously it's—I think it's the third, third or fourth floor. I'm not—I don't remember exactly. They don't really tell us the floors, but. Obviously, when you look out the window, you see pretty much the tops of the trees. So keep that in mind. The windows, um, the window, they don't have bars on them, um, looks out and apparently it, the one opens by itself after he locks it. Um, so Kenny then takes them into the patient's room and he takes, takes them into one room and it looks like the one patient wrote all over the walls, um, very creepy, very creepy. Apparently, it was housed by one guy, so he kind of wrote all of his shit down on the walls. Um, we then go into the bathroom area, and we learn that a young girl killed herself in one of the tubs by slitting her wrists. And they're kind of like a, it's like a standalone tub. Obviously, they were ripped out from the walls, um, and it's kind of um, if you when we look inside the the tub, it looks like it's definitely stained like a brown color, which is. Old blood. Um, so then um, young girl killed herself by slitting her wrist. We then go into what is called the service tunnels. Very dark, very spooky, very creepy. So Kenny then explains how one time he was down there and the air got really cold and he felt as if someone was watching him. So we then meet contractor Gary Crawford, who was hired to do some work in the building to try and revive the building. Uh, we learned that Gary and his team experiment or experienced some paranormal stuff while they were there. Tools disappearing and one guy even fell off a ladder and injured his knee and then he quit. Um, Lance explains how the hospital is more of an intelligence haunting than, and not a residual haunting. He then explains residual meaning an echo from the past stuck in a loop, whereas an intelligent haunting is one that interacts with the living, Interesting. Um, We then meet two younger kids who are in the hospital um, and they were with a group of their friends look like they were high school kids. They saw an apparition of a patient in a hospital gown with a shaved head. Um, We then get a funny scene with a resident gardener where Lance basically pays him to lie about seeing a ghost. So the first time he goes over to interview him, uh, the gardener's like, no, I just started working here and I haven't really seen anything too crazy. And then um, Lance pulls out some cash and we get a really funny interview with the gardener saying that he saw a ghost and he said he was really scared. So I thought that was funny. I like that scene. It was definitely a little break from hearing all this fucked up shit about the asylum. Um, So um, we then meet our psychic medium. His name is Houston Gray to assist in the investigation. So we have a scene with Lance and the medium are now walking through the uh, hospital and Houston warns Lance they need to be careful and not to mess with any of the spirits. He's kind of like walking around and he has like dark sunglasses on and he's like, there's a lot of presence here. I hear a hundred voices talking at once. And um, then Lance brings him into the bathroom where the girl killed herself. And Houston says he can feel the spirit of the girl there. He said that there is an immense sadness here. Um, Lance then yells cut and Houston starts laughing Um, so we assume that he isn't a medium and is basically just being paid to be there and paid to lie Um, so we'll get into more of like the actors um, playing parts on ghost shows a little bit later in the podcast so definitely stick around so now we're just getting some more behind the scene footage. Um, we get a look behind the show. We see that it's definitely fabricated as all ghost shows I am are in a little way. Now, I'm not calling ghost shows fake. I'm just saying these shows are for entertainment purposes. So there has to be something that's not always real, something that's emphasized, fabricated, etc. Um We also meet TC, who is part of their uh, camera crew, who actually happens to be my favorite character in this whole movie. (laughs) Um, So we are now seeing Matt uh, as he's setting up all the cameras for the hospital and we see there is a time ticker at the bottom right of the screen. Uh, We see there are 10 cameras set up throughout all the hotspots and they're called static cameras. Um. And then we have Matt explaining all of their ghost tech equipment to the camera. They have a bunch of different readers, things like that. Um, We then get the scene of Kenny the caretaker literally locking them inside. And we learn their lockdown is over at 6 a.m. We also learn that this is the biggest location for their show. And the show is like a prison. Or I'm sorry, the place is like a prison. Which means the windows are barred and they're completely, totally locked in, uh, we are then getting some shots of the crew walking through the hospital to all the different hot spots, using their equipment. They're using spirit photography as well. Uh, we then see that Lance is getting frustrated that the hospital is not haunted, but it's more infested with rats. Because uh, at one scene, they're downstairs and in the in the, um, the tunnels, and they hear something, and it ends up just being a big ass rat. So gross. Um, So we are now with the team. They're kind of hanging out in the front entrance where they came in. And um, Matt goes to use the bathroom. Um, So we then get shots of the 10 static cams. Um, The one with the window, as I mentioned earlier, actually opens by itself. Uh, It glitches. And now we see that the window is open. So it's kind of the beginning of the first kind of, you know, spiritual presence that's in the hospital because you see the window opens by itself. Um, Lance then tells TC to get some B-roll footage. And we see TC comes up uh, upon a creepy ass wheelchair in the middle of the hallway. Uh, He then kind of makes a comment and says, oh, Lance is going to freak. Like, how did we miss this? Because it seems like he's getting the B-roll that's around where the main entrance is, which is where they obviously we're taken around with Kenny. Um, Then we hear TC's phone ring and he picks up the phone and it's his wife, which I assume, and he begins talking to his daughter. Um, We also see TC puts the camera down in order to pick up the phone and he kind of walks in front of it. So now we get the scene of it's the, the wheelchair TC and then the camera. So obviously we're looking out. So we see TC and the wheelchair is behind uh, TC. Um, so while he's on the phone, he's facing towards the camera. We see the wheelchair move just a little bit in the background. Um, and guys, remember it is completely dark in this, in this hospital. There's really not that much light. They have, um, they use a lot of, um, different. I'm sorry. I can't think of the word when you're in the darkness. (laughs) I can't think of the word right now. Um, the camera mode you put it on. Um, so anyway, we see that the wheelchair moves just a little bit in the background. Um, TC then walks into the bathroom area and he walks into what looks like a shower and there's a big heavy door behind him that's open just a little bit. Um, and then we see his back is towards the door and the door slams shut behind him. Um, so obviously TC jumps and he's like, what the fuck? Um, TC, he thinks it's the crew. He's kind of pissed. At the, he's like, really guys? Like, why are you fucking with me? Um, So now we can assume that TC really isn't into the whole paranormal shit and kind of just wants the paycheck. No judgment, of course. It seems like he has a wife and he has a child that he has to take care of um, or girlfriend, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, But he looks like he's not really into the whole paranormal thing. Um, So then he grabs a crew and Lance gets like super excited for the activity and is attempting to make contact again, but nothing really happens. Um, We then hear a loud slamming noise from down the hall. They are all uh, now like wandering down the hall towards the noise. And guys, remember, it's creepy as fuck in there. It's dark. It's old. It's an insane asylum. Um, So then we we hear the noise get louder and it's actually connected to an old gurney that was tipped over. And the one wheel is still turning. Um, Then they stop the wheel and they hear noises from above them and they try getting uh, Matt on their walkie talkies. So we know that they have walkie talkies, obviously, because the, the space is, the building is huge. Um, Matt then tells them that no one is above them, so they go to investigate. So, guys, I am getting the sense that these guys have never really captured anything like this before because the way that they're kind of reacting. Um, we then get a creepy scene of Sasha using the recorder and her hair gets manipulated. So she's kind of standing there and the camera's towards her. There's nobody behind her. The rest of the crew are behind uh in front of her. And she's talking, and all of a sudden we see like one of a piece of her hair kind of just like kind of like lift up a little bit. And obviously she starts to freak out. Everybody's freaking out. Um so <laughs> This is the, I really did like that scene. Um, so now, obviously, they're freaking out. Lance is getting really excited. Um, TC is pissed, and Houston fake medium is over it, too. Um, because, obviously, he's probably just a paid actor. And um, so Sasha goes back to the front entrance building where all their equipment is when they first came in. And TC, Lance, and Houston, the fake medium, go with Lance back to where... Um, Sasha's hair got messed with. Uh, so Lance is now messing with the ghost because he wants more footage. He's saying like, come on, are you scared? Um, he says, you know, manipulate my hair. And which reminds me of the Buzzfeed videos with Shane and Ryan. I don't know if you guys have seen those, um, where Shane kind of just patronizes the ghost the whole time. I know there was like a viral meme that said, um, I forget what it was. It was like, Hey demons, it's your boy, um, Shane. I thought that was funny. My sister and I actually watch those. So we, uh, I have to get my sister on the show cause I, I feel like I talk to her, I talk about her a lot. Um, but so maybe one of these days she'll actually come on, but we'll see. So anyway, that reminded me of the Shane, um, Shane and Ryan Buzzfeed and, uh, the, the, um, the ghost adventures that they do on their channel, um, So now we have Lance taking spirit photographs again, and we see things are starting to appear in the shots. There's little orbs, and there's even a white figure behind TC now. Uh, So now it's 4.40 a.m., DC is totally over it and remember the caretaker is coming back at 6am so they have about an hour and 20 minutes to kind of wrap up all their things and um, make sure all their footage and the cameras and everything is all taken care of. Um, Lance then tells the crew to pack everything up and get ready to leave but before they can get back to the main area they get lost and they run into a bunch of dead ends. They start to use their walkie um, but it's not working. They can't they, they get back, um, you know, they're using their walkie talkie to try and get back to the main entrance, but there's no answer. So the tension is real between the team and TC is just getting pissed that they are lost. Uh, they do find their way back and we find out that Matt was also trying to get them on the walkies too, but the walkies have stopped working. So uh, Matt then leaves to grab all the different static cams that are all over the hospital He gets up to uh, the window or he gets up to the room with the window that's open and um, he sees that open on its own. So he tries to get Lance on the walkie, but then he hears a loud bang and goes to investigate. Uh, We see the camera glitch again, but we don't know what happens to him because we go back to Lance, who is doing his wrap up scene and Matt still hasn't come back yet. So it seems like it's probably been about, I don't know, 20 minutes. And I assume that's a long time to pick up cameras. Um, Sasha then suggests that they look for Matt because he's been gone for a while. Um, And she's, you know, like, it's dark in here. What if he fell? What if he got hurt? Um, So TC, Lance, and Sasha, they start to go look for Matt. Um, So they're walking down the hallway. Very creep, dark, long hallway hallway. Uh, They come upon Matt's equipment, which is all over the floor, and do the one thing in horror movies you should never do. They split up, kind of. So TC basically is by himself now, and he's just getting pissed. You can hear him mumbling under his breath. Um, He's saying, you know, like, he just wants to go home. We then follow him up a set of stairs, to which he immediately gets pushed down and falls down the stairs. So he's obviously in pain. Um, He calls for Lance and Sasha. They come and they help get him up. So now they're all back in the main entrance. And TC is just pissed. He's saying somebody pushed him. And um, he's about to kick down the front door. Um, Lance pulls out his cell phone as if to go call, I'm assuming, Kenny, the caretaker. And he realizes he can't get a signal. Everybody else starts taking their phone out. Everybody realized that they can't get signal either. So we then see T.C. get a gurney to break down the door. Um, and that's when we learn that Kenny, the caretaker, is over an hour late. So we have to assume it's seven o'clock in the morning now because he was supposed to be back at six. Um, so then Kenny or I'm sorry, then T.C. and Lance are kind of going back and forth saying like, oh, if you break down the door, it's going to come out of your feet." And T.C.'s like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I just want to go home. Um, so he's basically he can't he can't push the gurney with enough force through the door. So now Lance is helping him. Um, So Lance and TC are pushing the gurney through the door and managed to get it open. But to their surprise and mine, the first time I watched it, um, it is not outside. It is just another dark hallway, which literally makes absolutely no sense. So I think this is where I really started to like this movie. It made no sense that the doors they used at the front is now a series of hallways. We then see Houston picking up the broken chain um, and we see Sasha close the doors, the supposed front doors with Death Awaits spray, uh, spray painted on them, a.k.a. what they first saw when they entered the building. So it has to be the front door, but it's not leading outside. It's only a set of dark hallways. So this this is definitely the point when I got super intrigued because I was like, what? (laughs) Um, So they then find another. So then they're kind of trying to rationalize with themselves, saying like, oh, well, maybe maybe we got ourselves turned around um, because they knew this was the main entrance of the building. So they start to go investigate and look for another. They find another set of double doors with the word exit above it. They kick it open, and we get this really cool shot of the back of TC and Lance's head staring down yet another dark set of hallways. Um, they then find a, a window, but there's bars on it, to which TC explains that he could get the um, the bars off the window, but his tools are outside in his car. Um, they then realize um, the windows upstairs don't have bars on them, but then they realize That it is now 8.34 a.m. Lance then says, the thing that I was wondering the whole time is that it's still dark in the hospital. He says, I checked the times last night. The sun was supposed to rise at 7.45 a.m. It is still dark out. So this is another part of the movie that I was like, oh, shit. Like, okay, okay. Like, I see what's going on. Like, the building is manipulating the hallways, and it's also messing with the time. That was the part that I wasn't, wasn't, uh, super clear on, obviously, until the end of the movie, but I was super intrigued with it because it was as, it was as if the the building was changing the hallways, and it was also now messing with the sun and the light, um, so I did like that part a lot. Houston then tries to rationalize it and tries to explain the building a sort of, of an electronical anomaly to which TC screams, "That's a fucking." He says the R word, but I don't want to say that word because I don't like that word. Um, but you know what I mean. Um, so this is why I really like TC because he's super rational about this, and he's just like, "This is fucking stupid. Like I just want to fucking go home." Now, mind you, I love everything that has to do with paranormal and things like that, but I don't actually want to be a paranormal investigator. Like, more power to you if you're okay with messing with that stuff. But I'm okay. Like, I went on a ghost tour of the Stanley Hotel. And that was about as close as I want to get to it. So (laughs) I will do ghost tours 100%. But I will never actually stick around with equipment and try and talk to demons. Um, So anyway, um, so now we're back uh, with the crew in the main entrance. And we see that the camera ticker is at 14 hours and 41 minutes. So remember, I said they were only supposed to do an eight hour lockdown. Um, so now they're in there way longer than they should be. Um, Lance seems to be the only one awake at this point. He turns the camera on himself to show that the time is now 1 p.m. Um. He is also saying it doesn't make any sense and I haven't slept in over 20 hours. He then says he's going to set him set an alarm for an hour. Um, So now we see the entire crew is sleeping and the ticker is reading 21 hours. Uh, We then see a gust of wind and it knocks over uh, their lamps that they have on. And apparently that was the last light that they had. So obviously when it, it slams and it hits the grounds and everybody wakes up and they're in pitch black. Um, Lance then tells the camera that they were sleeping for seven hours. He then shows their cooler that was full of food is completely rotten. He opens it up and he, and we basically see the maggots are in their apples and sandwiches. Um, TC then explains how he saw fire escape to get to the roof. So his idea is get to the roof and climb down. Um, So now we're all back in the creepiest fuck hallways looking for this roof access. Um, Also, the building is making a ton of noise now as if it's coming alive. Um, TC then finds a sign for roof access. But as they turn the corner, they're greeted with a solid concrete wall. Um, So it's kind of like the stairs kind of go into the wall kind of thing. Um, they then find a map of the building on the wall, and I knew it was a little suspicious because the halls and the walls and everything are literally changing, so that map doesn't mean shit. Um, they then check their compass, and it's spinning in all directions. Now, guys, I'm not a camper or, like, a big outdoors person or anything, but I know that compasses are not supposed to do that. Aren't they usually just supposed to point north, um, north? So anyway, we can tell that there is definitely some shit going down this hospital. The tension between the team is just going crazy. Um, they're all yelling at each other. They're all pissed off at each other. Um, they then hear screaming and they recognize it as Max. You so guys remember Matt is still missing. We have not found him yet. Um, we then get um, an iconic scene of a hospital bed moving on its own as if it was thrown into the air. Um, the camera starts glitching and we end up with the crew in some room with a bunch of peeling paint Um, Lance is now vlogging and telling the camera that they're going to sleep in shifts. Um, the camera cuts and we see that Sasha has been hurt by the ghosts and has a hello cut into her back. Of course, my mind goes straight to Adele's hello. But then I remember that this is not the time or the place to be singing hello. (laughs) Um, anyway, moving on. Um, Lance then is able to get Matt on the walkie, but it's not quite Matt, um, he's basically saying like, hello, like it's cold I'm freezing kind of thing into the walkie. So now they're on the hunt for Matt again. Um, we then see a figure in a hospital gown dart across the hall in front of them, and it looks like it's Matt. Um, so they're following it, and then we get the other iconic scene of the girl in a corner with a dirty hospital gown on. She then turns to face the camera, and her face uh, is completely distorted. Uh, the crew then runs into a closet and we hear weird ass groaning of the hospital is coming more and more alive. So actually the first time I saw this scene was in a gif or a gif however you want to say it. Um, and I remember it was obviously very creepy because it was somebody standing in a corner. It was a girl standing in a corner and she turns and her face is all fucked up, um, I actually saw that before I saw the movie. So I I think that's what made me um, find the movie in the first place because I was on something, not like drugs or anything. I was on like social media (laughs) Um, and I saw the I saw the gif and I think I was just like, what movie is that from? And then I found that it was connected to Grave Encounters. And I think that was the first time I watched it. Um, So anyway, it was probably like five years ago when I watched it. Uh so or maybe four, I don't know. Anyway, um so we um were in the closet and they're sleeping in shifts. So <clears throat> now we realize that Houston, the medium, got separated from the group and is wandering down a dark hallway. Um, we see him because of the, I'm sorry, night vision. I couldn't think of the word earlier. So there's a lot of night vision in this movie. Um, we see him because of the static cams are still set up and we see a door open and close next to him. Obviously he can't see shit cause it's dark. Um, we also notice the ticker is at 46 hours. So they've been in that hospital for almost two days, Uh, so I love this scene because it takes a couple minutes, um, until we see Houston gets picked up by an unseen force and then is thrown down the hallway and obviously he's dead. Um, so I like this scene because it really, really, it's the tension that builds in this scene is so good and it's just so creepy because you have no idea what the hell you're going to see. Um, I really feel like this movie is just like one really good scare after the other. Like there wasn't anything that made it cheesy um so houston the the fake medium is now dead um we are now with lance vlogging and telling the camera that they lost houston they aren't sure how long they'll last um then we get one of my favorite scenes that really just made this movie when I first watched it I was just like fuck yes like this part is so cool so basically what happens um is the three of them wake up and realize they all have hospital bracelets on with their names on including their date of birth and what I believe is their patient ID um so I just love this part of the movie because imagine just like falling asleep in this haunted ass asylum that you know it's super fucking like sketchy and uh, the hallways are changing and it's basically coming alive and you wake up and you have a hospital bracelet on. It's like, what, you're one of the patients? Like, what? So good, so fucking creepy and so, so crazy. Um, so it's definitely the part of the movie that really, I really, really loved. Um, so they're all, of course, freaking the fuck out as anybody would. Uh, Sasha's yelling at TC for falling asleep. Um, so now the remaining patients slash ghost hunters slash victims um they are wandering around the hospital and the doors and things are just moving and we hear laughing um Sasha then is starting to get pissed off at Lance for vlogging but before anything else can happen Um, we see a hand punch through a glass door and grab her around the neck. So she gets away. Um, Sasha's now having a full on panic attack. But then we hear TC yelling for them because he found Matt. Um, so they run up and, um, but Matt, he's not doing so well. He's actually in a hospital gown. With the same bracelet on that the other guys have and is talking about his patient symptoms. He's saying like patients suffers from childhood phobias and like things like that. He's obviously just completely fucked out of his mind. Um, and he says that they can all leave as soon as we're all better. Um, okay. He then says... Everything will be OK. He'll help you, too. And then he just starts laughing. Um, so Lance <laughs> cuts the next scene. Lance is vlogging again to explain the situation. Uh, Sasha then says she isn't feeling good and how she thinks something is wrong with her. Uh, Lance feels her forehead and tells her that she is burning up. Also, the building is so loud now, and we just hear a ton of shit happening. Uh, we then cut to the next scene, and we get another iconic scene with the hands coming through the ceilings and the walls. This is also another gif, gif, whatever, um, that I saw, and I was like, what is this movie from? And I remember watching, or what is this from? And I remember moving, watching the movie, and I was like, oh, this is where all these really cool shots are from. Okay, okay. Okay. Um, So obviously they run out of that room with the hands. We are now in a bathroom area again with the tubs and we hear running water. Uh, We then see the tub filled with dark water and we realize that it's blood. Oh, also, guys, this is obviously the place where the girl slit her wrists. Um, So they decide to get the fuck out of there. But Matt is kind of standing on the edge of the are standing next to the tub and he's looking into this blood pool. Um TC then goes to grab Matt, but before he can, we see a ghost pop out of the blood water and pull T C in with her. I love this scene too. Very creepy, very mm, nasty. Um, so um Lance throws his camera down, they Lance and Sasha um they go to tip the tub over, obviously. So now the camera is not facing towards the tub anymore. We just see this like this rush of just blood water. Um, and we hear her scream because there's nobody in the tub. So TC has gone, which made me really upset because I love TC. I thought he was so funny. So anyway, um Lance is now vlogging again. We see they have blood on their faces. They continue to walk around the very alive hospital. And they continue to hear noises and laughing and screaming. Um, They then come upon an elevator to try and... So basically their plan is to try and get to the tunnels um, that connects to the other parts of the building. To see if they could find a way out there. Um, So Lance tries to pry open the doors but can't. So leaves Matt and Sasha to go find something to open the doors. We then see um, we follow him into another room and he breaks off a piece of metal from a gurney and then hears something dripping and he pans the camera over and he walks over to something on the floor that's covered in blood and goes, is that a tongue? Then he looks up and we see a freaky ass ghost perched in the ceiling corner in a hospital gown with black eyes and a weird mouth screaming. Um, So this reminds me of the, the tweet that I tweeted earlier uh i think it was a couple days ago um i tweeted out and i asked everybody what uh their (laughs) what like scary things um like, trigger them when they watch scary movies. Um, Mine is anybody that uh, looks in the mirror and has a different reflection, and I'm also scared of things with sheets over their faces, um, like in The Conjuring at the end when they're doing the exorcism on her, and also uh, the iconic scene in Scream when um, her mom has a sheet over her head. Um, Sydney's mom has it. It's, like, blood stains. If there's blood on the sheet, even worse. I don't know, guys. I just don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Um so this this scene reminds me of um Kim Burns from Kim and Cat Stay Alive. She actually um tweeted me and said that anybody who's like perched in a corner um, and I immediately thought of her when I saw this cause I was like, oh my God, that's so creepy. <laughs> so yeah, anything that's perched in a corner kind of waiting for you is, is not a good sign. Um, so anyway, um, he, we have Lance, he breaks off a piece of the metal. He sees the weird ghost perched in the, um, the corner of the room who obviously bit his tongue off. Um, Lance runs away from them. Runs away from it, obviously, back to Matt and Sasha to is able and he's able to get the, the elevator doors open. And we see there's a ladder so they can climb down. Um, he then hears a noise and goes to investigate it uh, while Sasha losing her shit behind her. We then hear Lance go, where's the night vision button? There it is. And then it flips on. We get this freaky ass patient ghost, the same one um, with no tongue, running towards him. And kind of starts attacking him. Uh, The camera falls. So we only just hear screaming. And then we see Matt from his camera that he has. Because remember Lance has a camera and Sasha has a camera. Um, So we are now with Matt who is vlogging. And we get a first person perspective of Matt um, basically jumping down the elevator shaft. Uh, We then get a creepy view of Matt's bloody head. Obviously, completely dead. Um, So this scene was actually pretty cool, too, because you kind of just see him fall down. You get you get the camera angle from his point of view and also from uh, Lance's camera. And he just goes right down that elevator shaft. Um, So now we are only left with Lance and Sasha. Um, They have made it to the tunnels um, because apparently Kenny, the caretaker, said it connects all the buildings Um, And they're kind of just walking in a straight line the whole time. And they can't seem to find a junction. Um, And then we get a lovely scene of Sasha start throwing up blood, which obviously is never good. So if you throw up blood, guys, go to the emergency room. Um, Just a little, a little health fact from, from, from your girl, Crystal. Um, So now we see the ticker on the cameras aren't even working anymore. They're all kind of spinning in all different directions. Um, So then we have Lance vlogging again, explaining how they're pretty much fucked as we continue to hear groaning of uh, the hospital in the distance. So the duo is now asleep and we see a white mist cover them and basically snatch Sasa, Shasha. Lance then wakes up and obviously freaking out because he is now completely alone. Um, so now with about 10 minutes left, we get our vlogger Lance all alone. Um, he then starts using the recorder, um, the one that Sasha used earlier and asks, what do you want from me? And he plays it back to hear a ton of voices at once. So I guess the medium in the beginning was right a little bit because he did say he feels it sounds like there's a hundred voices talking to me at once. So when Lance did play back, uh, the tape recorder, there were like a hundred voices talking at once. So I guess maybe, maybe I was wrong about, about Houston, the medium, but I don't know. Um, So he is then starting to pretty much lose it. He's saying he doesn't need the light and how it's kind of like a game and starts laughing. So obviously he's losing his mind, which any of us would considering they've been in the dark for that long they haven't eaten, they don't have any water. um, And you basically have absolutely no idea what is going on. Um, the scene then cuts and Lance is telling us that he has found a door. He then opens it. It looks to be some kind of secret operating room to which I assume is the, um, the head physician's doctor. Um, we then get some pretty nasty pictures of operations of people. Um, Lance is continuing to wander around the room. We're still hearing a ton of noises in the background. He then sees a the kind of demonic seance with an altar and pentagrams and candles and a skull. Um, he then opens a book that's on an altar and it's in completely other language. Um, Lance then knocks something over on the floor. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, he then hears something behind him and we see the doctor and two nurses operating on someone. So this is the guy I told you about in the beginning. Uh, the one, the, the head physician who was stabbed by his patients. Um, so we see that he's, we see that they're operating on someone they haven't seen Lance yet. Lance then knocks something over on the floor and the three look up and the next shot we see is the doctor in front of him and his face kind of contorts the same way the other one, the other ghost faces have been looking and then Lance drops the camera. We then hear just screaming and our shot is on a book called Medical Treatment of Mental Diseases with a skull in the background. Um, we then hear Lance say, He isn't crazy, and he, how he just wants to go home. And the camera then cuts off. Um, the next scene we get is we have Lance bleeding out of his eyes, saying, He says I'm all better now. I can go home for grave encounters. I'm Lance Preston, signing off. Then we get a blue screen and credits. So, moving on to the discussion of this movie. So as I mentioned throughout the podcast, my favorite parts of this movie are obviously the hospital itself moving, changing its doors and hallways and corridors, uh, the hospital bracelets uh, appearing on their wrists, and obviously the sun never coming up. Um, so I had to do a little bit of digging and research to kind of figure out the ending because I, I, I can understand what happens, but I had to um, look into it a little bit more. Um so uh it seems that along with experimenting on his patients Dr. Friedkin also dabbled in dark shit which is the reason why the buildings change and the sun never rises. It's as if the uh doctor wanted um them as his patients so the crew as his patients and he transported them to another world. Um Into this crazy, like, demonic, weird time-lapse vortex thing. Uh, I also like the idea of the hospital and the patients driving Lance and his crew insane to kind of be accepted as patients there. Um, It put them into the fucked-up world of the patients and obviously at the hands of a psycho doctor. So it's as if they went into the hospital with their cameras and their crew and everything you know, mentally stable. And then the the hospital slowly drove them more and more insane, which is what we can assume happened um, with the patients that were there. And eventually at the hands of Dr. Friedkin, who likes to do lobotomies. Um, uh, So I think the directors, the Vicious Brothers, did an amazing job differentiating themselves from other found footage. I really feel like they took an extra step and made sure their movie didn't have too many loose ends. But of course... If you guys listen to my other podcasts, you know I have a lot of questions. Um, Yes, there is a sequel, but as I said earlier, it's more of a meta approach, which I wasn't completely a fan of. I kind of wanted either another paranormal team to go in there and not be a group of college kids, because if you guys watch watch the sequel, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, or like a group of like cops or something to go in there. I really wasn't a fan. And then they get trapped in the hospital. I wasn't a huge fan of the way the second one was. Um, so I'm hoping maybe they come out with a third one, but I don't really know. Cause the way the other one ended and the way that, the way that it was, it went about, I, I, I just didn't like it. They basically like, the ghosts were the ones who wanted to film everything to try and get more people to come to the hospital. Um, which I, I guess makes sense. Cause you know, obviously you're stuck in this eternal damnation, hell kind of thing. And you just want to fuck with other people. I understand that, but I don't know. I wasn't really a, a fan of that whole thing. um, so one problem I had uh, with the ghost hunters themselves is they weren't really ghost hunters in the movie. They were kind of all actors for the show because when the real spooky shit starts happening, they all freak out immediately. Um, as I would too. But then again, I'm not the one who's putting myself up for a paranormal investigator job. Um, I also assume they probably really didn't know each other that much uh, before this because they turn on each other real fast. Um, I feel like TC kind of just picked up the job and was like, all right, whatever, you know, this pays the bills. Obviously, as I said during the podcast, no put no judgment or anything. But they really didn't have each other's back at all. Um they kind of just immediately turned on each other. Like TC immediately was very aggressive and very like like, "Well, where's your boy? Like, where's Kenny the caretaker? Like, he was supposed to be back. He's late. He's late." And then, you know, they all just start fighting. Um so so what I assume is I guarantee that Lance Liked the paranormal things. He put on an ad for actors and some tech people. Found his team and kind of just started filming. And obviously wanted to get picked up by, you know, a television or a production company. Um, So we have to assume the show was completely fake before this episode. And no one really knew what they were getting into. Um, But overall, I love this movie. Um, This is definitely a gem that not a lot of people I know really um, have watched this movie before. I remember I was talking to a couple people and they're like, oh, I don't even know what that movie is. And I'm like, oh, you have to watch it if you like found footage. Um, I have a friend of mine who, um, loves found footage films. She's not super into horror movies, but she loves found footage. Um, so I told her to watch this movie and she loved it. Um, so I really, Obviously, I wish the movie was just a little bit more mainstream, but at the same time, not so much because I do love this movie. Um, and I just obviously was a little disappointed in the sequel. But, you know, it is what it is when it's with horror movies. Sequels are hard to do. Um, but I'm maybe they'll come out with a Grave Encounters 3, which would be really cool. Um, if they did come out with a Grave Encounters 3, like I said, I feel like they should they should make it more like the first one have a team of paranormal investigators like like super famous ones or something you know like like on the level of already being really famous tv show of uh, a ghost you know ghost adventures type level and have them go into the hospital and then have them like really try and figure out what's going on and then figure it out um because the second movie just didn't really do it for me. I didn't like the main character. I thought he was kind of annoying. Um, I didn't really like the the cons. I mean, this is not about the sequel. I understand that, guys. But because I love Grave Encounter so much, I was so upset the sequel was so bad. Um, do I still watch the sequel? Uh, yes, absolutely. I want to watch the sequel now because I watched the first one. Um, but there was just a lot of things that I wish they had done differently with the sequel. Um but as for the first movie, I thought it was great. I thought it was very well done. Um, I loved the actors in the movie. I think they all did a really great job. Um, I didn't find anything that was super cheesy. Obviously, the only cheesy thing was Houston, uh, the fake medium. But I mean, I guess it was just job to be kind of cheesy. So I can't really get at him for that. Um, but uh, I picked this movie to be the first movie for my found footage February because it's definitely one of my favorite, uh, found footage films. Um, so I have obviously three more weeks of, or I think there's actually only, yes, three more Saturdays after this one, um, for other movies that I'll be doing. Um, I'm going to be doing, um, a couple that I've seen, a couple I haven't seen, um, but I definitely wanted to start off strong with a movie that I knew that I loved for so long, Grave Encounters. If you guys have not seen it, obviously, I would definitely recommend it, because it is a great found footage film, um, like I said earlier, found footage is my favorite sub-genre of horror, um, and, I hope that they continue to make found footage films, <laughs> um, because I know that they're they're not super expensive to make, but they can, if it's a good one, um, you can make a shit ton of money off of it, which I think obviously is the the appeal of it. Um, I think Blair Witch Project didn't even cost it much money but they made like millions and millions of dollars off of it um they also had great marketing on it too because obviously the actors were kept in the kept away from uh the public eye for that long and of course this was before social media and everything um so um they obviously didn't have you know instagram they weren't uploading instagram stories back in 1999 I think when Blair Witch came out uh, don't come for me. That could be wrong. I'm just talking out of the. I'm talking out of my ass right now, guys. So, um, <laughs> anyway, um, so I I do I love found footage, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And I hope that you will continue on found footage February with me um, and Horror Nights and podcasts because we're going to be doing some other very cool movies. Um, and I'm super excited about this special this month. So there you have it, guys. My honest and horrific opinion on Grave Encounters. Did you like it? Did you hate it? What is your honest and horrific opinion on this movie? Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Horror Nights in Podcast with me, Crystal. Please remember to follow my podcast on whatever app you use. And if you could, please rate Horror Nights in Podcasts um, on iTunes, preferably a five out of five, but do what your heart tells you. Um, If you enjoyed my show, it just makes it easier for other people to find so they can enjoy it as well. Um, So I will chat with you guys next week for another episode of Horror Nights in Podcasts. Stay warm, guys, and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.